0: The the children can be dismissed if you have not gone already. I'm going to take this box. I don't plan to use it, but I know myself. Well, good morning, church. Thank you, Audra, for that great update. So this morning, we're going to be talking about and looking at what the Bible has to say about the power of our words the ideas of cursing and blessing, which is probably something um, many of you have never had a sermon on. I know growing up, I don't think I've ever had a sermon on blessing, but the Bible uses it all the time. And at the end, so we're going to look at how do we do this scripturally, and at the end, we're going to practice it. So somebody's going to come up on stage here with me, and we're actually going to bless someone together. So that's what we're going to look at, but let's pray uh, before we get started. Father, we just come before you this morning with expectation. We As we delight to be here in worship, we ask, Father, that you would just open our minds, open the scriptures for us to understand this morning, uh, open our hearts to receive. We just ask that you would be honored and glorified in our time together. Amen. So let me ask you a question. Has God ever asked you to change your mind about something? Let me ask it another way. Has God ever asked you to repent of something? Well, that feels like a bigger thing, doesn't it? That second question, asking you to repent of something? Um, Well, actually, when you look at the word repent in the New Testament as Jesus used it and the apostles used it, it's the exact same word. So there's the Greek word up there, of course. Can't do a sermon without a word of Greek. But but that word, when it's used, literally means to change your mind. And so this idea of changing our mind and, and repentance is a big part of Jesus' mission. If we... In, in Mark chapter 1, this is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So it was right after he was uh, baptized by John, and then he went in the desert, and he was tempted, and he came back. And so his very first uh, captured words in the book of Mark say, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, change your mind, and believe in the gospel, right? And what's the gospel? The gospel is pretty simple. It's that Jesus is the Christ. He died, and he rose again. So change your mind and believe in Jesus. That, that's where he said, I came to declare this. And at the end, so then his last words at the end of Luke are very similar to that. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written. So here's what he wants that your minds to get open to. That the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, the gospel. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. So Jesus came to declare repentance, change your mind, believe the gospel. That's why he came. It's part of the Christian life, and it's not a one-time thing. It's it's something that is expected of of us as we grow in our walk. And you can see that in Revelations. In Revelations chapter 3, this is the revelation to John, uh, and this is Jesus speaking. It's actually his words to the church in Laodicea. And he says, For those whom I love right so this is for you as christians those whom i love i reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent All right so as a believer i'm going to discipline you so be excited about it and change your mind right when that time comes accept it embrace it change your mind so this is this is the christian walk and so so for me god wanted to change my mind about something and and the other thing i want you to get is this idea of changing your mind it's not a head thing right? It involves not just your head, it involves your heart and your body and your actions. So let's say this morning I was trying to decide, are we going to bring the van or the the truck to the service? So let's say I was planning to bring the van, and then I remembered, well, it's maybe a little low on gas. Well, if I would have brought, so I, I should take the truck. Well, if I drove the van, I didn't actually change my mind, right? But if I drove the truck, I did. So if I don't change, if I just change in my head, oh, I, I really should bring the truck. But if I don't do it, then I really haven't repented. I really haven't changed my mind. So now, imagine now you're a, uh, you're a judge. Maybe you're a Supreme Court justice or you're a politician, right? And you, you look at the law and you make decisions or you vote certain ways. Well, if you change your mind on a particular stance or a particular law, you're going to vote different as a politician, right? You change your mind, it'll have actions. You'll vote different. If you're a judge and you change your mind, you're going to rule different, right? Because you're going to look at that law different. So, so changing our mind is not a head thing. It involves all of us, and it results in action. And that's what Jesus is talking about inside of here. So, so in my life, there was an area a number of years ago that God wanted me to change. He wanted me to repent in my life. And it was about how I used my words. And it wasn't something that I saw myself, and he used others to make me aware of it. And it's not that my words were bad. You know, if you've known me in my life, I'm pretty careful with my words. Um, I don't speak a lot, right? So God, to get a hold of this on me, took some effort. And um, so let me tell you why. So what is it about Glenn Bader. Well, if you know me, if you guys have ever taken a strengths finder test, you know the tests that show you here 's what you're, you're' strongest at. My number one strength is I always achiever. I love to get things done, and myself and through my teams, I just love to go. I love to be challenged and my second area is i 'm a big critical thinker i 'm very analytical. I take things in, I ponder them I, you know the next day, I maybe see stuff, and so this is a big part of how I live and work i 'm always looking for the next challenge and the next mountain to climb. Right, and I'm really thinking it through. Well, some of the feedback that I received from some of my employees was that, um, you know, I, can, I could be critical. You know, I would, I would see in any given circumstance, if we do a project, I would see all the good things, and I would see all the things to improve, and I'd be excited about the next challenge and, like, getting better towards the next. And, but I didn't always express good, the appreciation for all the things we do, did well, I was kind of looking at, man, how we could get better to the next step. Um, And some of the feedback was also that, you know, I I don't stop. I don't, in that moment, celebrate. And just the the good things that happened linger in that I'm, like, ready to go on. And so that feedback, you know, from my people was really um, important to me and eye-opening. They knew I cared about them, but I wasn't always good at expressing it. Um, and, and another example to this was a number of years ago, we were, and I don't remember if it was what the study was, but we were with Darren and Gloria, and we watched something, and I remember watching it, and there was some really great teaching in it, and there were some things in it that I was like, hmm, you know, that verse was a little used out of context, or there was, you know, there were some things that were, you know, okay about it, and I remember thinking afterwards, we were like, what'd you guys think of that? And I was like, yeah, that was good. But Darren and Gloria were like, man, like, this and this and this and this. Like, wow, how true is that? How amazing is that? And it really kind of built conversation and, and flowing to it that they were just very good at speaking to the great things that, uh, uh, about it. And that was really convicting to me. And, and it really kind of matched some of the things that I saw that I, I maybe wasn't critical in my words, but I was holding back and not saying the things that were good. So this is the, the work that God was doing on me. Um, around words. And, and the one thing that I've learned, there's been many times where God's called me to repent, right? This is part of the Christian life. And the one thing that I've learned is, okay, you got my attention. You know, sometimes it's through people or a study. Sometimes it's a big stick upside the head. <laughs> but when you have my attention, okay, you want me to do this, but I'm stupid. I, I don't know how to do it, right? I, I, I want to change what you're asking, but, but show me how, because I don't know. And in, in that, you know, sometimes I could be like, Glenn, I want you to lead spiritually in your family. I'm like, what? Okay, <laughs> right? Or, or I want you to realize you're your wife and you have different needs, right? and You need to meet. And I'm like, okay. And, and I need like a framework to help. So I usually, I, I get a book, I get a study. I need something to ask the questions I don't even know how to ask. And, and that's the way that I learned. So in this case, I, I found a book. Uh, it was called The Blessing by John Trent and Gary Smalley. And they really unpacked uh, the, the teaching in the word around blessing. What does it mean to, in using our words to bless? What does it mean to curse? How do we go about doing that? And so I'm going to unpack a bit of, of that with you this morning. And then I'm, I'm going to look at, a, we're going to look together at a case study uh, in repentance. And so um, I'm going to start in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, verse 19. So this is Moses It says right before they're going to go into the promised land, right? Moses is is about to die, and Joshua is going to take over. And he says in here, this is a command to the Israelites. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. So they've got this choice. You're going to choose life or death, blessing or curse. And if you look at the meaning of these words, you know, life is this idea of animate movement, right? I'm, I'm alive. I'm, I'm moving. And it's the idea that you're moving towards somebody. So life in a relationship is I'm moving closer to Solveig. Life in my spiritual relationship is I'm moving closer to God. And death is the opposite, right? Death is stepping away. So when you have a relationship and you stop communicating in that relationship, you kind of step back from that relationship, what happens? It, it dies, right? So, so that's kind of the idea of death. It's, it's moving away as a contrasting to moving towards, and that's a choice. Similarly, blessing and curse. So blessing literally means this. It's, it's bowing of the knee. So I am adding value to you. I am honoring you. I am lifting you up. This is the idea of bless. So we can bless the Father. We can bless each other, but that is the idea of blessing. And as opposed to that, cursing, Cursing is taking something that is large and making it small. It's making it trivial, um, you know, making it slight. And so you can imagine a stream or a river that's flowing and you dam it up and it becomes this tiny little trickle, right? That's to curse. That's the idea here. So it's this choice, right? We're going to choose life and death. We're going to choose blessing or curse. And these same choices are before us today. What I want to show you is this isn't just something that the Israelites had to choose. This is something we choose every day. And so we're going to look at a case study. Now, if there was ever a man who needed to repent to change his mind, it was James. James was Jesus' brother. And the Bible tells us that James did not believe in Jesus. Uh, in fact, in in the book of John, you know it just it literally said his b- brothers did not believe in him, and uh, Mark 's even a little worse. Uh, Mark would say that his family was telling people that he 's out of his mind, right So James is Jesus' brother. He does not believe that he 's the Son of God, and he actually thinks he 's crazy. So this is James. <laughs> so now think back to why did Jesus come? What did he call people to do? called you to change your mind, to repent, and believe the gospel. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again. This is what James needed to do more than anybody. And he did, right? Um, Not before he died, but when Jesus rose again, he appeared to James. And James was changed. His mind, his will, his emotion, everything changed about James. To where in the book of James, um, he actually, in the very first words, he calls himself now a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So James is a changed man. And so we're actually going to look at the book of James. Uh, James is one of my absolute favorite books. It's written to early uh, early Christians that were in Jerusalem that got dispersed uh, through persecution. It's actually one of the first books uh, written in the New Testament. Okay. When a lot of people think about the book of James, a lot of people talk about it as, like wisdom literature, like it's the book of Proverbs. Um, oh, it's a bunch of good, wise sayings on Christian living. I don't agree. <laughs> I think James is one of the most cohesive books that tells an amazing story. And, and the key to understanding James is to understand James himself. Look through the lens of what he went through, through the repentance that he he lived, and, and even the way he had to change from his words of calling Jesus crazy, right, to now saying, hey, I am his servant. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you, so there's five short chapters. I'm going to give you the quick outline. Um, It kind of builds to chapter three. Chapter three really gets into the heart of the power of our words, and then it kind of closes. So I'm going to give you a kind of a quick Cliff's Note version of the book of James. Um, So as James starts, right, what he basically, the key ideas here uh they're really the same as the message of revelations. Remember Jesus letter or the note to the church in Laodicea? He said, "Hey, like you're going to get disciplined because I love you, so be zealous in that and repent." Okay? That's the same message here. James is saying, "Hey, um be joyful in trials. They're coming, but but you're getting them because it's discipline. God loves you, right? They're going to shape you to be more like Jesus. So that head slap that I get sometimes or God says I want you to change, That's the role of trials, okay? So be joyful in them. Be zealous in them. Um, And this is God's work. Uh, Don't forget who he is. All good things come from him, and discipline is actually good. Um, And you're just dust, so don't think too much of yourself. Uh, He's actually making you the very first fruits of his creation. And so then, you know, um, one of the things when you're speaking, they tell you to do, is first I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say, then I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to remind you of what I said. That's what James is going to do. So right here in the beginning of chapter 1, he's going to tell you what he's going to tell you in this book. So verse 19 of James 1 starts, he says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So your anger... You getting upset does not make you holy. He's contrasting that. He's saying, shut your mouth, (laughs) be quiet, listen, be slow to speak. Um, And therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your mouth. So these terms of all filthiness and rampant wickedness, it's this idea of like taking off dirty clothes. Um, All wickedness actually... Um, the, the term often means a buildup of wax in your ear, which seems kind of strange. But if you think about it, he's saying, hey, your angry speech is keeping you from hearing God's word. So shut your mouth, right? Be slow to speak, right? And receive with meekness the implanted word. You're missing the word of God because your mouth is too busy speaking, is really what he's saying in here. Um, But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. One of the challenges that people have with the book of James, a lot of of times people struggle with it to say, oh, James teaches this faith without works is dead. It's a different gospel. It goes against grace. That's not the case. Remember, Remember James here. This is a book of him, a man who went through repentance, that's telling you to change your mind and repent results in a changed life. And so what he's saying here is when... I want you to to be quiet, to receive the word, and you're going to know it took because there's going to be fruit in your life that shows it. So that's chapter one. This is our roadmap. Um, But he also tells us shortly after, like, hey, if you don't bridle your tongue, you're deceived. You're fooling yourself, and your religion, your faith is worthless. So, So you're your faith, your changed mind is going to show in your life. And if you can't bridle your tongue, you're you're just deceiving yourself. So he's got very strong words in here of the role of our words. So James 2, he builds on it and he basically says, hey, you all have no ground for judging each other. Uh, So whether it's, you know, he starts with some things, you're showing favoritism because of wealth and clothes, and then he moves on. He's, you know, talking about different types of sin, of murder and things like that. He's saying, look, you are focused on this one sin you see in somebody else, but it's all sin. So you got no ground for judging because there's not one of you. There's not one of us who can stand against the law and you don't want to be judged by the law. (laughs) Um, So he goes, you think you're doing well, you, you think you're holy. Let me ask you this, I got a test. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? If you do, you're doing well, right? But that is the one test you need to check yourself with. Um, and so the thing to remember in all of this, right? Let's not forget the context. This is a book about trials. You're in the midst of trials. And if any, if anybody today, I mean, we are living in chaos, right? We're living with more division in our church, and our country, you know, probably than any time many of us can remember. We're living in the midst of trials. So this is a message of like, what do you do in hard times? What do you do in the midst of trials? And he's saying, you need to really be watching Your heart. Are you loving your neighbor and watching your words? Because your fruit will be seen in your love for your neighbor. Okay, so now we get to the meat. So chapter 3 is really kind of what it builds to. And if you don't have your Bibles open, it's a good time. We're going to look through chapter 3 together. So it begins, and this is hard. Uh, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. Wow. I, I, these verses have long, I've struggled with. I mean, this is a message to Christians. It's like a message to us. He's basically saying, not many of you should be teachers. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't stand here lightly this morning. Um, you know, for me, the the call to become an elder was not something I looked at lately. Um, Because God does call elders to shepherd the flock, to guard and protect, right? There is a spot of elders to to do that. Um, But that role of teaching, we're going to be judged with greater strictness. Um, And it's because we do have sin in our lives and and our our tongue is a big uh, part of this. And what's interesting is if you look at today's culture, our social media culture, you know, with YouTube and everything there's a lot of pressure people feel to be a teacher. I mean, how many things have you seen of take this master class on whatever topic, right? Everybody's in a role of teaching, building a channel for you to follow, building a podcast for you to listen to. You know, people feel pressure to be an influencer and to be in this teaching role. And James is telling you, be careful, right? I mean, not many of you should be doing this because it is a real heart condition um, involved in that. So, verse 3, if we pick up verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And I put a picture up here. This is like a monster cruise ship. If you've ever been on a cruise ship, this is one of the biggest ones. It's just crazy to get your head around the size of these things. And, and basically what he's saying is something that big, you imagine moving it? Well, it's, it's moved by, if you flip slides here, this tiny little rudder, and that tiny little rudder is moved by that tiny little steering wheel. <laughs> the power, right, to move something that big is the picture he's getting our heads behind. So as we look at verse 5, he's, and it's the tongue, right? So also the tongue is a small member full of deadly poison. There's not one of us who can tame the tongue. It's not a work we can do on our own. This is something that only the Spirit can do in our lives. A restless evil. Um, Okay, so now we get to kind of the crescendo here. um, Kind of our core verses this morning. So verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. I don't know why I'm emotional about that. (laughs) Um, What a rebuke. I mean, this was mine, right? This was Jesus to me. Glenn, it it shouldn't be this way. Out of your mouth should not come blessing and curse. And my defense is, I don't curse. What does it mean to curse? I, I don't swear, right? That's not my struggle. Or if we think of cursing, we think of like, oh, you're going to put a hex on somebody, right? I, I don't curse. But cursing can look very different in each of our lives, you know, if you look in the, the context of this. Um, it could be, and, and all of you may, it may look different in each of our lives. It, it could be maybe I speak bad about somebody behind their back. You know, or or you know, maybe for some of you it could be more direct. No, I'm I'm gonna confront you to your face. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm gonna tell you what, what's wrong in your life. Um that that can be cursing. Gossip, right? Spreading something that may be true or not true. I mean that is definitely a, a form of, of cursing. Or it could be critical spirit. You know, I think we all know people that you know within the first five minutes of me talking to you, I know you get something bad to say. About somebody or their church and how they don't have it figured out, and we do, or you know what I mean? You just know coming out of you soon is you're going to be ripping on somebody. Could be a critical spirit, um, could be Facebook, or I like to think about it as curse book. Uh, you know, how many times do people, you call somebody an idiot or stupid or something online, somebody you don't even know, uh, right? Or, or something, a conversation you might never have in person. And, and, and the interesting thing to me is, like, how many friendships are ended on facebook how much smaller are our circles of influence becoming right uh, and, and, and it's relationship is what creates change has anybody ever been changed through critique if you've ever read the book uh by dale carnegie how to win friends and influence people right he'll, he'll tell you critique of somebody never changes them never ever right? The only way we change is through relationship and through love. Uh, if you don't have a voice in somebody's life, you will not change them. Or for me, right, how, I'm, where was my curse? How was I cursing people? Well, sometimes it was critique, and sometimes it was just holding back words, words that I knew I needed to be saying. Darren and Gloria were saying, I wasn't saying. I wasn't saying the, the good, right? I was just biting my tongue um, in those moments. So there's, there's, Ways that we curse. So as we go on then to verse 11. So does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So basically, do you understand this? Do you get it? if If you're wise, if you get this, we'll see it. we'll see it in your conduct, right um, And so I've really struggled with this at times you know the 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 like I said, I'm an introspective guy, so I have to think about things you know, and my question is and imagine today i mean how what are the things that make you mad? <laughs> what are the things that upset you? What are you concerned about towards the future? right? And, and, you know, who who bothers you? And as I have to look at that and say, am I truly loving my neighbor, my brother, like myself? Do I harbor animosity towards them? How do I love somebody that I very much disagree with? (laughs) Uh, You know, these these are the challenges inside of there. Um, But our conduct, right, should be shown with works in meekness of wisdom, But the contrast to this, then, is verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits impartial and sincere in a harvest of unrighteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. So he's got a contrast here, right? He's got this, are you wise? If you're wise, show it in the meekness of your wisdom. The contrast to this is wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Um, And we know, right, the demonic is real right? There is the enemy is out there. The demons are out there speaking lies into our lives. And so they can be giving us wisdom, supposed wisdom that is not from above. Okay. So finishing James. So as he, as he builds on this, then it kind of starts closing chapter four, right? The reason we curse is because we're in love with the world. We may not think we're in love with the world, um, But our actions show, right? So he's saying, don't speak evil against one another, brothers. Who are you to judge your neighbor? And this is the one for me, right? Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. Right? So if I, and I'm, in my life, I've been so often prompted to say something, to encourage somebody, but, you know, the circumstances or whatever just aren't right. You hold back that blessing, and that is a curse. So to, to, to not speak blessing, remember, it's an opposite. It's a choice. You're going to bless, you're going to curse. So when I hold back from blessing, I actually deliver curse. And then finally in James 5, be patient, right? Be patient for this fruit to develop in your life. He started that in chapter 1, right? Joyful in trials, it's going to produce fruit. Be patient as it happens. Don't grumble against each other so you won't be judged. And don't forget to pray as you wait for this fruit to develop <laughs> through these trials and sufferings. And don't forget to call the elders. To come and pray for you. That, that's our role. That's why we're here. So there's the book of James in a nutshell. Um, oh, I skipped the first slide, the, the summary slide, if you can go back to that one. <clears throat> so how do you summarize all of that? Summarize the whole book of James. Uh, it's back a few slides. Uh, it um, Basically, I have three... Three summaries of how you could summarize the book of James. Understand how God is working to make you like Jesus. Here's option one. I like that one. Or option two. Brothers, your heart is messed up, but you don't realize it. (laughs) Right? That's what God was saying to me. Glenn, your heart's messed up, but you don't quite get it. Or number three, this is my favorite, murder in the third degree. Right? Which is what? Manslaughter, unintentional murder. (laughs) Right? We're choosing life or death, blessing or curse. I was cursing and didn't realize it, right? I was causing harm that I wasn't aware of. So choose choose life. Okay, so that is a great example from James' life um, that gives us a good scriptural basis of it. So let's talk about blessing. We've talked about curse. How do we bless? Well, blessing is a speech act. It's, it's something that gets verbalized. It brings good upon somebody else. And if you think about it, if you go back in, in the Old Testament and you look at blessing... God loves to bless, right? He, he blessed creation. He blessed, you know, the, the, uh, Adam and Eve. He blessed Noah and his sons. He blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He blessed Job. He blessed Abraham and said, through, through you, I'm going to bless the other nations, right? And Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And even in Jesus's ministry, Jesus was frequently blessing. He blessed the loaves and fishes before he multiplied them. Uh, He took children in his arms and he blessed them. The the bread he blessed in the Lord's Supper uh, before they took it. And actually the cup in, in the Lord's Supper is actually referred to as the cup of blessing. And then finally, before he went back to heaven, as he was ascending, he blessed the apostles. So blessing is just central to the Trinity. It is the way... You know, that, that God lives in the demonstration that Jesus gave us. So how do we do it? How do we go about blessing, right? I, we don't, want, I don't want to curse. I want to bless. How do I do that? And, and that's me again, right? I don't, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Show me. So scripture provides a good, a good basis of understanding. And, and probably one of the best places to get a picture of blessing, and the one we're probably most familiar with, was Isaac blessing Jacob, right? I, uh, Isaac was planning to bless Esau, And he sent him out. He said, okay, go kill some wild game and come back and make me some stew so that I can bless you. And Rebecca heard this, right? While he's out hunting, she's like, quick, Jacob, I'll make the stew, right? You go put this fur on your arms so that he thinks it's you. And they go in and they trick Isaac. And Isaac ultimately ends up blessing Jacob. And once that's done, he receives the blessing. Esau comes in, they realize what went on. And here's Esau's reaction. He says to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. So this lack of a blessing, it's not, it's not about his birthright or inheritance. That, Because remember, that's already been dealt with. <laughs> he sold it for a bowl of stew, right? So that wasn't what he was upset about. He was not receiving this verbal blessing from his father, and it was just devastating to him. And so um, from this book, as I've begun to learn how to do this over the course of many years, and I would tell you, I'm not perfect at it. You go ask my employees today, they would tell you I'm getting better, right? I'm I'm improving my employees. Know that I I love them and and how important they are. Um, But this is still a work in progress for me. But I've, I've been doing this with my family and my employees for years now. And we actually, our, our life group went through this, uh, this past spring. And, and as I've talked with many people over the years, the one thing that I've learned, and he talks about it in the book too, is that the vast majority of people you meet have never received the blessing from their parents, from others. And so for many, they feel like that they never heard from their, their dad that, that he loved them, right? They never felt from their parents that th- their blessing, And so often the story that I hear is this story of because they they didn't feel their love and their blessing, they saw, they observed what they did appreciate. And many times it was sports and activities. So the way when my father praised me was when I did well at this. And so I pursued that. I worked to become the best at this. And so for many people, their story is this, that I pursued this thing, right? And I either kind of, won that championship game, or I lost that, or I got injured, and that ended that career for me. But these are like defining moments in so many people's lives because they were pursuing, like Esau, this blessing that was just out of reach. So I would tell you the vast majority of people feel that they've never received that blessing. So so as we've done this, um, you know, we've spoken blessing over our kids and family and others. We went on a vacation this spring, Solveig and I and the kids, and we took four uh, four of their friends, college friends with us. And so we were there for seven nights. We were out in Colorado, and I had this idea of, well, we're there seven nights. What if every night we bless one of the kids? And so we're building this plan, and I mentioned it to Lydia uh, a few days ahead of time, and she was like, oh, "Dad, she goes, you gotta do that." I was like, "Okay," and she goes, "My blessing from you, you have no idea how much that means to me." She goes, "That has shaped my path over these years." She goes, "I look at it all the time. I go back to it." And I was like, "I never, I didn't know." And last winter, over Christmas time, one of her really good friends, we were in. Uh, Sioux Falls and before she left I I blessed her in the parking lot of Target (laughs) and she said she talks about that all the time dad and like she sat in her car and cried for a few minutes afterwards I didn't know right in the same way excuse me see I knew I did this um (laughs) in the same way I I wasn't aware of the power of my words and cursing I don't think I understood the power of our words and blessing So we did that on our trip, and I would tell you, one of the best weeks of my life. I feel like I have four more kids. Uh, So there's power in blessing. So I'm going to get practical with you. How do we do this? I want to show you how to do this, and then we're going to bring somebody up on stage, and we're going to do it. We're going to bless Kelly Hansen uh, in a few minutes, putting this to practice. Okay, so... And, and this is from the book. He teaches really five components. And if you look at the blessings in the Bible, this is how they work, whether it's Jesus on his lap, or this is, um, you know, Isaac and how he blessed his, uh, blessed Jacob. So the first part is meaningful touch. And, and you know, with this goes the words appropriate, appropriate meaningful touch, right? So this works, this looks a little different for me in the workplace, right? But <laughs> it does in my home with my kids. So, but there is a, a, a component of touch that is important uh, in, in delivering a blessing. Uh, the second part to it, if you think about that, you know, Jesus put the kids were on his lap and he touched them, right? I mean, there's always, or, or even in his healing, like Jesus would touch people when he would heal them, and, you know, the leper. Um, so the second part is it's spoken. It's verbal, right? It might be comfortable to write a letter and that's not a bad thing, but verbal... A blessing by nature is is verbally spoken. And, you know, and a big part of the blessing that I have found is the power of a person's name. And, and it's played out again and again and again that people grow into and live into their name. I have no idea how that works. It's true in every member of my family. Uh, it just is a big part. So I usually start by speaking about a person's name what it means and how and how we see that in that person's life from that we really look at the attributes what is it about the person that we see about them and when your kids are young you might look at some of those attributes and they might drive you nuts <laughs> it's just oh but that's part of god's gifting in that person when calvin was young he was so silly. I don't know that I could count the times that Calvin embarrassed me. I still remember this Awana program and Calvin up there going like this for attention and just being silly. And at the time, I didn't appreciate it, but it's who he is. And I just love that about him to this day. It's just, it's just part of who he is. And so part of it, you got to look at how has God gifted this person? What are their attributes, you know, that are about them? And now, as you work to kind of picture this special future, imagine if their gifts were understood, if, if they understood what their gifts were and they were fully using them for the kingdom. What might that look like, right? Because I'll tell you what, the person you're talking to probably isn't fully aware of their gifts. They probably don't even know what it would look like if their gifts were fully used. So a, a picture of their future where their gifts are fully used is something that's probably so alien to them to even think about. So that's what you're doing when you're envisioning this this future, right, of just this person being blessed and, and used in this way. And then the, the final part is an active commitment. So if you're blessing somebody and just envisioning how God's going to use them, you got to help them, right? They, they don't know how to do that on their own. So it's not a one-time thing. It is a, an active, ongoing commitment to help them grow into and live that blessing. So that is kind of the, the core ideas of, of blessing somebody. And so <clears throat> with that, Kelly, I'm just going to show you how we do this. Okay. <clears> Type <throat> notes. It's okay. Come, face me. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so, Ke- so Kelly agreed to do this. She knew I had a time. But she has no idea what I'm going to say. She asked me why, why did I pick her, and I said, well, you'll find out when you get here. So, so Kelly, um, you know, I did start with your name, and I don't think I've ever seen somebody whose name better describes them than you. Do you know the meaning of your name? I do Okay, this is awesome. So, your name is Irish. Are you Irish? Two percent, okay. So, it is an Irish name. Here's what it means. bright-headed, frequenting churches, a warrior, a clear mountain spring, or a farm by the spring, isn't that amazing? So here's what I know of you. Um, Kelly, just you know I've known you for a couple of years now, maybe you know you just as I've gotten to know you and just watch you, you are such a positive, kind person. you know you, you just bring energy and life uh, to, to people, to, to others, and you know and people love to spend time with you. you know you walk in a room and it's just changed. Um, and so that that just obvious to me. And so as I was thinking about, you know, just a word picture of, of you, it, it was it was the farm by the spring. It was just that was so it. You know, you I, I think about your your uh, journey here. You know, you are are fruitful, right? And you're fertile ground. So you started coming to victory, and then. More in your family started coming, and others started coming, right? And so, so your your obedience to to the Spirit just has been growing and bringing um, others to Him. Um, you know, your it's been just a joy to get to know you and in, in your heart, um, and 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 Robert as well. You know, you know, you guys just as a couple have just been such a blessing to to get to know, and you know, and. I think I first started seeing you in classes. You guys are very involved. You had a heart to learn and to grow and get involved. And then, you know, this, now you're getting involved in in serving and in Awana, leading games and taking a bigger role. And and Robert, you know, with live stream, man, you know, he's just got such a heart to do it well and to learn and to serve. And so, so this picture to me of just this this farm by a by a stream, right? Of your guys' fruit is just beginning. And, you know, if you think about what does it take for a farm to really grow and, and produce fruit, there's a few things, right? You need seed, right? So that's the Word of God. So for you you guys as a couple, just to stay grounded in the Word is just going to be so uh, important to your fruitfulness. Um, and then that stream, right? The stream is just often the, the Spirit of God, right? So as you guys learn to hear the Spirit and respond to the Spirit and just Pray and live in the spirit is just going to be a, a big part of your life. But then the last part is a farm needs nutrients, right? You, you water and the seed, and then you give it nutrients. And I just really see that as as the friendships and the relationships in your life. So yeah, as you guys surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you and build you up and, and grow, um, you guys, are just your fruitfulness, your fruitfulness is just going to continue to grow and, and expand, so... Just blessing upon you. I just love getting to know you guys and just so thankful for you uh, being part of this body. Was that fun, Kelly? <laughs> so what I want you guys to do as you leave today, so one of the other things we did with the kids is we usually start that with everybody kind of shares one thing you love about the person. So don't let Kelly leave today without telling her one thing you love about her. Should we do one more? Yeah? Leah, why don't you come up here? I wasn't planning to do Leah till this morning, so... Are you nervous? Awesome. <laughs> come. Leah... So do you know what your name means? No. All right. Well, your name means delicate, which I think is a pretty fitting name for you. You know, as, I, as I've gotten to know you and think about you, you know, I've, you know I think my first impressions have been kind of quiet, kind of shy, right? But as you, as you get to know you, you're kind of the opposite, right? You actually get very excited. You get very passionate. You can be very talkative about, you know, the things you're excited about. Um, you got a big smile, right? It's fun to see the things that you're excited about and where, where God's leading you. And, you know, the other thing that I've really observed in you is just your dedication. You know, the the way that you've pursued just desiring to be on the worship team and, and learning to play guitar, right? You've just gone after it. And, and ProPresenter, for those of you who don't know, ProPresenter is the tool we use that runs all of the slides and the lyrics both in here and on live stream. And it's pretty complicated, and you have just pursued that with passion. You have Leah comes in to practice on her own in evenings and weekends. And sometimes the technology breaks and does weird things, and she figures it out and she calls because she's all excited. And so you've just pursued that. You've just been such a, a servant to this church, and it's just been fun to watch just your heart and desire to to pursue that. Um, so. <laughs> the other so I, I think your heart is a big part of it, and as I've thought about just a word picture for you, I mean I know how excited you are to be going to Northwestern this fall and and so i the, the picture I had for you is a, a grapevine right and so a grapevine, if you look at it, grapes from the day you plant it to the day you get fruit can take some years and so it is a an aspect of patience, but the other thing that happens with a grapevine is that it needs to be pruned right? there. sometimes you have to cut back branches that produce good things so they can produce even greater things. And so I just see as, as you go to school this fall, you know, you've got your founded, your your root, right? The, uh, the main of your vine, right? Is grounded in the word. But some of these branches in your life, you're going to be challenged in many ways. And God is going to you know, there's things you're going to run into, and there's some things you're going to end up letting go of, and there's some things that you're going to need to grab hold of. But as long as you are rooted, right, in that vine, in God's Word, um, I think that is just what I see coming in your life, and and just your heart is just going to be so blessed for it. So we're just so thankful for you, Leah. Just uh, wish you the best as you go to school this fall. So there's a little picture of blessing. Um, again, for Leah, make sure you tell her what you love about her on your way out today. Um, but you guys can do this. I can do this. It, it's not as hard as it feels. And so I just want to encourage you in this. Let's let's choose let's choose blessing and, and not curse. So, with that, I think we'll have the worship team come up for one last. And I'll, let me pray while uh, while they're coming forward. Father, we just thank you for this time this morning. We just thank you, Lord, for your brother James. We thank you for the, the way that you called him to repent, Lord, to change. We thank you for the, the call you gave on us, Lord, to to change our mind and believe in you that you are the Christ, that you are the Son of God, that you died and rose again for us. And so, Lord, as as you call us as a body to to love one another, uh, we just ask, Lord, that you just implant upon us, Lord. Make us aware of the cases and the spots where we are delivering curse and not blessing. Help us to grow, Lord, as a church that is great in unity, that is known for our love for each other, that is, uh, Lord, encouraging to one another. So we give this morning to you, and we just thank you. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with us?